everybody. Welcome back to another episode of On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay. And today I thought I would spruce it up a little bit and give you guys a little bit of a Halloween flavor for today. And one of the bands that always makes me think about Halloween or dressing up for Halloween is Kiss. And that predominantly has to do, of course, with their very famous and licensed (laughs) makeup look that they each have and the outfits that each of them has. And you know, they're quite a really unique band. And I would say this was at a time when, you know, in the early 70s where not a lot of bands were doing this yet. It was mostly coming up in the 80s when you had these glam metal kind of bands that were then dressing up, you know, and wearing the high heels and putting the makeup on. And I thought it would be a nice segue from last week's episode where I talked about Twisted Sister. I just kind of figured I would share with you guys the information of how Kiss even came up with the notion of the makeup and the costumes that they were each wearing, and then how they all of a sudden one day in the 80s decide, you know what, let's forego the makeup and let's just show our bare faces to the public for the first time. So I'm going to give all of you guys the inside scoop right now. So... KISS was formed in 1972 in Wicked Leicester, New York by Gene Simmons, the bassist, and Paul Stanley, the frontman vocalist. Two amazingly cool guys with amazingly wicked hair. Love it. So both of these guys were in a band together prior to KISS, which recorded one album, but they wanted a new musical direction. So they left this band and they formed what was to be the beginning of KISS. They ended up coming across an ad in the papers by Peter Chris, who was a drummer in a band called Lips and another one called Chelsea. So they saw that Peter Chris was looking to join a band and he was looking for others to join in with him because he wasn't really feeling this band Lips anymore. So Gene and Paul, they went to go see Chris play at a local nightclub where he was playing drums one night and they thought he should be in our new band that we're forming. They exchange contacts, they get together, he's now a part of the band. So in early January 1972, they then brought on lead guitarist Ace Fraley and the rest is history. Ace, he impressed them so much that he came back for a second audition and it was history made at that point. So 1972. Now, again, like this is the very early 70s. I really cannot honestly think of another band of this ilk that formed in the early 70s that can be on par with Kiss, unless I'm not thinking broadly enough. I'm again thinking about like all those glam metal, hair metal bands that formed in the 80s, but Kiss was doing it in the early 70s when you had ACDC and Led Zeppelin and you had all those other rock bands at this time, like in their tight jeans and their, you know, ripped up t-shirts and all that stuff. And like these guys, Kiss, were doing something different and Gene really wanted to stand out from everyone else because he made a comment that he saw a lot of guys at this time wearing the ripped jeans and wearing the t-shirts and, you know, all that. And he was just like, well, why don't we do something different to stand out from everybody else? And absolutely iconic that they even decided to go this route because it really gave them a leg up in the industry. So again, I really think that Kiss is one of the most legendary bands of all time, just for the solo purpose of not only their looks, 
that they achieved far earlier in time before a lot of these other bands did it, but also their music as well. Very, very influential. So Paul Stanley came up with the band name. One night, Gene and Paul and Peter were driving around New York, and they were throwing around ideas for band names because they hadn't come up with one yet. And of course, they all knew that Peter was in the band called Lips prior, and Paul was like, well, what about Kiss? So that's how Kiss came about. And then Ace Frehley was the one that created the Kiss logo with the two S's looking like lightning bolts. Paul Stanley designed the logo with a Sharpie and a ruler initially, and he accidentally drew the two S's not parallel to each other because he didn't do it 100% perfect. He just did it by eye. And so he's like, well, whatever, this is good enough. When he went to get this professionally done, the art department asked him if he wanted it to be redrafted to be perfect. And he said, it got us this far. Let's leave well enough alone. Our number one rule has always been no rules. And so that's kind of how they all formed there. The iconic character designs associated with KISS made their debuts during March 9th through the 10th at the Daisy and Amityville, New York, when they had shows there. Paul Stanley said this of the time. He said, our first show ever was at the Coventry. Coventry was a study in contrast. The first time we played, there was nobody there. The last time we played there, you could barely get in the door. And what was interesting, too, is I think because they had the iconic makeup and the costumes, a lot of people didn't recognize them when they walked down the street. So they could literally just walk through a crowd looking like themselves and no one would know that they're standing right next to Paul Stanley or Gene Simmons. Paul Stanley, I suppose, looks very similar because he's only got the star on one eye. So that's pretty easy to tell what he could look like without it. But I'd say the ones that look very different are Ace Fraley, who had the whole spaceman thing going on there. And then you had Gene Simmons, who was the demon, spinning fire and the pyrotechnics and whatever. And that's what set them apart, too, from anyone else at the time, was that they wanted to almost be like a freak show. They wanted to provide entertainment as best they could to everyone that was coming. Going to a KISS concert not only was a musical experience, but it was almost like a theatrical circus type performance as well because you had all these amazing fantastical characters up on stage and they looked so interesting in their platform high-heeled boots and they looked like they came from outer space and they just looked like not human and I think that's really cool how they crafted this persona. Ace Fraley, he had the spaceman persona. Gene Simmons had the demon persona. Paul Stanley, again with the star, he was the star child persona, and Peter Chris, he was the cat man. So those are the four distinctive characters and the four distinct makeup looks that each man had. Gene said this at the time. At the same time that we were forming in New York, there was a very big glitter scene where boys were basically acting like girls and putting on makeup. Well, we were more like football players. All of us were over six feet tall and it just wasn't convincing. The very first pictures we took when the band first got together, we looked like drag queens, but we knew we wanted to get outlandish. Getting up on stage was almost a holy place for us, like church. So being on stage looking like a bum wasn't my idea of respect. That's where the makeup and dressing up came in. It would have obviously been a lot easier to get up on stage in jeans and a t-shirt and go, Okay, here we are. We're the Ramones. And that would have been just as valid, but it would not have been honest. I just remember being in a loft in downtown New York and looking in the mirror and just 
starting to draw. It was very stream of consciousness. What you see is really what just happened. Nobody else was involved. So all of that to say, he really thought yet again that he just wanted to be different and separate his band from anyone else that was doing it. And he as well has said, you know, yeah, it would have been just as valid. And it, it is just as valid for any band to go up on stage and to be themselves dressed as they normally would. But I think it really goes to show that back in that time period, a lot of bands, they wanted to have a distinctive look to them. I think to kind of create the band that you want and to kind of garner attention from a lot of fans and to have people talking about you, you as well need to have the image as well as not only just the music. I do wonder how Kiss would have been if they didn't come up with the makeup and the costume idea because I really think that that's such a massive part of their music. Even if you don't know a single Kiss song, you know the band because you see them plastered on all the t-shirts everywhere and you just recognize the makeup and the makeup is more famous than probably the band itself. I think the makeup and the costumes and the band are almost like two different entities at this point. I kind of feel like more people know the band with the makeup versus any Kiss song. That's non-fans. If you're in the Kiss army, of course, you would know this and you're a massive fan already. But just as a casual person, I think there is a distinct difference between just Kiss the band, but then also the makeup and the costumes take on a whole other entity on its own. They released their self-titled debut album on February 18th, 1974, and it skyrocketed. The 70s were probably Kiss's best decade, and I think that was where they released the most albums in one decade that they've ever done since. And of course, they would go on tour every single time there'd be a new album. So can you imagine how busy they must have been, how many tours that they must have did in the 70s? It's kind of crazy, and I would imagine at the same time, over and over, having to apply all the makeup. They got really good at doing it fast, but I'd imagine that some of them might have been a little bit bored or thought maybe the makeup was a little redundant. Um, but once we got into the 80s, there was a little bit of a shift. And I think Kiss was wondering what place the music industry had left for them because the 80s was evolving and changing. And I feel like the 80s was the most eccentric and eclectic decade for music genres to have emerged that, you know, for a band like Kiss, I think probably they could be seen as a little outdated. At the same time, though, they were in decent company with bands like Motley Crue and Twisted Sister and others of the same kind of ilk, but they were trying to do different things with their music as well. Like, they took a somewhat poppy route instead of just a classic rock vibe. They were trying to figure out their niche where it stood in the 80s, and I just think they had a really hard time coming to terms with the fact that the times were changing and how was KISS going to fit in with the changing times. And not only was KISS having that kind of growing up phase, but in 1980, Peter Chris left, and he was replaced by Eric Carr. So Eric Carr didn't immediately take on the cat persona, but he took on the fox man persona. And I just don't think that lasted that long, not only because I think a fox as a replacement for the cat was maybe not the best choice, but Eric Carr also tragically passed away. And two years later, in 1982, Ace Fraley went on to have a solo career, and he was replaced by Vinnie Vincent, who similarly also did not take on his persona of the spaceman. He took on his own persona as this Egyptian Ankh warrior. 
And I gotta say, I both personas of the fox and the Ankh warrior just did not fit where the spaceman was iconic. And also where the cat was iconic too. I just, it just didn't really fit the vibe anymore. And I think it became more of, again, kind of like a circus act, if you will, because now it's less to do with how do we kind of still make this work with the makeup in this decade of opulence and something that's new and different that's happening in the music industry. And it's taking on the form at this point of, okay, does the makeup even work anymore? Do the costumes as it stands even really work anymore at all? So it's not about them trying to fit in with the makeup and make the makeup fit in with the times. It's like, I don't even think the makeup really needed to be as prevalent as it was for the band anymore. And I know that Gene was kind of hanging on a lot, predominantly because I think he, out of all of them, morphed with his character. And his character did a lot. The fire out of his mouth and all the demon stuff he was doing, he really, really took on that like entertainer persona of the demon child. And he was really having a hard time letting go of the makeup Paul said this, actually. He says, I very much wanted to do it. As a matter of fact, I was hoping we would have done it with 1982's Creatures of the Night album. But understandably, it was a much, much bigger step for Gene because Gene's persona is so strong and was so strong that to give that up was a big, 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 big commitment and sacrifice. So he was a little reluctant and we waited. But when Creatures, although it was arguably one of the top albums we did, didn't sell through the way we hoped it would. I think Gene saw the writing on the wall. The press MTV conference got a lot of coverage and lo and behold, Lick It Up came out and was almost immediately a platinum album. So I think I was right. So that kind of gave a little bit insight into the MTV press conference that was to happen on September 18th, 1983. So this was official. So they were coming out with their album, Lick It Up, and they had the song for the album that was going to drop as well as the music video for the song. And that was the first time that they were going to present themselves for who they were. And it's pretty funny looking back on it. Like the music video is pretty clearly just a setup for them to reveal who they were as regular guys and not just guys wearing makeup anymore. So it was kind of funny. The video doesn't really impress me. But it is pretty clear how it was shot, that it was specifically done for the purpose of we're not wearing makeup anymore and this is what we look like, the reveal kind of thing. So I can actually see how that would be really hyped up, especially for fans that followed the band from 72 all the way to this point now in 1983. Or if you're just a casual listener and you're just curious because you're familiar with the makeup and the costumes. Um, you know, taking on its own kind of identity, if you will. So September 18th, 1983. For the promotion of their album, Lick It Up, and for the purposes of ditching the makeup entirely and the costumes as it were, they went on MTV to reveal themselves without makeup for the very first time. And so how they did it was they had images of what the band looked like each member with their makeup and then it faded and panned to the live reveal of that person's face um and then they had a little mini press conference after so gene revealed this after the unveiling it feels good we've always been close to our fans in fact in a lot of the shows we'd walk out into the crowd to get a feel of what everybody was feeling like and most often they really wouldn't know it was us 
so we've always felt closer. I think it's time for them to notice a little bit more. It feels very, very comfortable. I hope it seems that way. I feel fine about it. So it was mostly Jean and Paul doing the talking at the reveal on MTV. Um, and I believe from what I recollect, the press conference happened later on at night, like maybe about 11.30 p.m. instead of during the day, which is an interesting anecdote. And I remember reading one person's take on the reveal on MTV that it wasn't really that climactic of like a reveal. It was anticlimactic, which I mean, I think at the time in 1983 at the time, I think it probably was a big moment. But looking back on it, yes. In retrospect, yeah, it really was anticlimactic. But if you watch it, I think it really does paint a really interesting picture of how they were hyping this up for so long. Like, oh, these men in makeup now look at them fresh face without the makeup on. And so, you know, it was kind of an exploration of how they felt without the makeup. And for a little bit of time after the reveal, they accepted this new identity of themselves, like fresh faced with a different kind of costume and look. And they were trying to kind of figure out again where they fit with the 80s. And I just don't necessarily think the 80s was the best decade for them because everyone was focusing on other kinds of people like Cindy Lauper and Madonna and Prince. And they weren't really giving a crap anymore about Kiss because Kiss already was kind of in their heyday. And it's kind of really interesting to think that by this point in 1983, the band was already out for 10 years, having released roughly 12 albums out. So I think a lot of people were probably sick and tired of Kiss at this point, which probably can attribute to one could saying that the reveal on MTV could have been anticlimactic. But I think, you know, when you see a band that has that adopted persona for over a decade, and then you see what they look like as real people. I mean, that phenomenon is quite interesting, and it does kind of get you really sucked in and interested. But then I think once the reveal happens, then I think it doesn't phase you anymore. And then I think it does become boring because, well, what are they if they're not their makeup and their costumes? Like I say, I truly think the makeup and costumes take on like a separate identity of their own. And then you have the people that are in that identity. So I, I would imagine a lot of them probably had an identity crisis. And I would say that's why Gene probably took it harder and was more reluctant to do it at first because he really melded himself to that demon character. And clearly when they were trying to still make music, but show this new fresh face perspective, Gene was still trying to do a little bits of like the demon persona. Plus he is the entertainer through and through. And I think that just goes to show that, you know, they really care about the craftsmanship of the band and the music that they come out with. But, you know, I, I feel like probably the reveal on MTV as a whole, while it was exciting at the time, I think maybe the novelty wore off a little bit. The success of their album spiked because of this reveal and the album Lick It Up went platinum. So that was great. That's what they were hoping for, that they were hoping for the fans to appreciate this new take on the band, this fresh take. However, some fans didn't really like the new look that they were going for. Not to say they didn't think that they were attractive men. It's just they they didn't think that the band foregoing the makeup and the costumes that they were known for was probably the best move that they could have done. Gene said this. He said, Everybody hated it. People didn't want the paint to come off, but you know what? Tough. It had to happen. 
You want your heroes to stay the same forever, but then the consequence of that is you get bored with them. We had to take it off. It had run its course. We've always contended from the beginning that the makeup was just sort of a stage manifestation of who we are. The makeup was just an extension of our personalities. We still have the same sort of energy and drive and commitment to doing everything, short of killing ourselves, to give people the best show in the world. I remember reading Jean making a comparison to we didn't want to take the Cobain way out. And I think while that is insensitive to say, I understand what he's saying, that he didn't want to just off the band entirely and just, you know, end it there when they had a practically 10 year or 11 year run that they wanted to try something different. It wasn't like they stayed this way forever they eventually would go back to putting on the makeup for a couple of their shows. However, they performed their first show without their makeup on October 11th, 1983, so about a month after the reveal on MTV. And, you know, I think it took people a little bit of time to acclimate to this new kiss that they were looking at. And again, they were trying to acclimate themselves to the 80s, and they just weren't fitting in. It was like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. The 90s probably was also not as great for KISS. However, I think KISS got a bit of a leg up in the industry and in the charts because Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Part 2, which I believe is called Bogus Journey, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the movie with Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. They created a song. I don't know if it was specifically for the film. I don't recall. But their song, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, was featured in the movie, and it was like a big thing at the end of the film. Spoiler alert. But that song became massively popular, not only with that movie, but for the band themselves. And it almost kind of became like an anthem in the 90s. It's kind of hard, I think, as a glam metal, classic metal kind of band, when you were so popular in a decade like the 70s that really was home to that genre and where it fit the most, to then have to kind of morph into something really weird with like the synthesizers, the electronic drums, and the weirdness that was happening in the 80s, because people didn't really care about that kind of music at the time. They cared more about like the glam metal aspects that metal music provided for them that was a bit more raunchy and was a bit maybe more femme whereas kiss i wouldn't really call them femme either they were just men wearing like halloween type makeup and i hate to kind of boil it down to that but you know a lot of people do wear the costumes and the makeup for halloween but i think that that was more of like a sort of machismo type of look that they were going for And then the 80s came along and then that's when they started wearing like the bright neon colors and the cheetah print boots and, you know, the crazy wild perms that they were rocking and then, you know, whatever else, you know, which I thought, yeah, I mean, you could acclimate yourself to the 80s, but Kiss didn't really fit in the 80s. I would also venture to say they did not really fit in the 90s either because the 90s was all about grunge at the time. And all about other kinds of music like ska, you know, and like reggae was taking on a new form in the music sphere, you know, like with 311 there, you know, like there was a lot of fusion type music happening in the 90s too. Grunge was the big one. So yet again, Kiss didn't really fit. And I have to go back to the point I was trying to make earlier, which is like, you know, bands like Kiss's ilk, like Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and all of them that were famous at the time when music like that was 
its breeding ground to then morph into a new decade with something else was hard. A lot of those bands kind of faltered and flubbed in those moments, you know, and they tried to kind of stay themselves, but also stay with the times too, because you didn't just want to keep making the same music that you've always made. You know, I think most bands would want to create something that kind of fit with the changing times. And I just, I don't really believe that Kiss ever really made a popular hit album after Lick It Up. I think that was the last big hurrah for the band, but they're still going on their farewell tours. I'm pretty positive they've had at least 10 farewell tours. They're on a farewell tour right now. I don't know if it's their final, final farewell tour, but they're on a farewell tour. So if you haven't had the chance to see KISS perform live, this could possibly or might not be the last chance you see them before they hang up the makeup and the costumes forever. Because like I say, they go back to putting on the costumes and the makeup. You know, I think it was freeing though for them to finally be rid of the makeup for a time. To feel like you have to almost put yourself into a character for people to appreciate and like you is hard. And then what a lot of fans didn't like, the fact that they changed and they just showed their fresh faces that had to be really challenging and I would imagine that was challenging for all of them on an individual level for Kiss it was really big and I think it just really was because everyone really fell in love with the makeup and the costumes it was entertaining and then when they showed up as we're just normal four guys in a band here we are I think people just kind of felt like ah this doesn't work for me anymore on the other hand, I think people did think it was novelty. That's to people's perspectives. But I I personally feel like the makeup and the costumes is unlike anything I've ever seen before in any other band at a time in the 70s where that was not commonplace. I really, again, can't think of another band that really did the same thing back in the 70s because I think that was so unheard of. And I think everyone else henceforth just kind of followed the footprint of what Kiss laid out as the blueprint for that kind of music. They really set the precedent because I think they probably put on an immaculate show. Of course, they felt like they'd have to bring their makeup and costumes back to the forefront of their music because, you know, they can't just be four normal guys. You know, they started out as these four guys, yes, regular guys, yes, but they started out as, you know, them taking on characters to entertain people. And I think that was the main thing that they're always focusing on is making sure the fans are as entertained as humanly possible and what better way to entertain people than to have blood spitting out at you and all these men and makeup and the costumes and the leather and the studs and the alt like really crazy stuff and the pyrotechnics yet yet again i think they put on a great show so you have to admit like even though at the time when they revealed themselves as fresh-faced regular guys from New York just kind of having a fun time in the music industry making albums that it was probably really boring for people and it didn't really sit well with a lot of people and people were not happy about it. I think at the same time that was the right move to do because then it made them have the ultimate freedom to then create other kinds of music that maybe they've wanted to try or they didn't have to feel like they were boxed into a specific kind of niche genre or a niche look. They could really try to free flow and feel their way through the decade and through the changing times as best they possibly could. Did I think it succeeded? Not all the time, but I think Kiss really tried their best to kind of fit with the changing times. And I give them props. They knew it was time to hang up the makeup at that time in the 80s. And 
they eventually brought it back because they loved it. And there you go. I just thought it was an interesting story to figure out how the makeup started in the first place. And then eventually at the end there, you have them revealing their fresh faces. Kiss still remains to be probably one of the best top-selling artists of all time. And Gene Simmons likes to say that Kiss is one of the most recognizable, if not the number one recognizable band of all time. And honestly, I give him absolute credit for that because yet again, like I said, the makeup takes on an entity of itself. People recognize the makeup more than they recognize the men behind the makeup. Go ahead and wear your Kiss makeup this Halloween if you feel inclined because I think it just pays homage to the band in the best way possible. And if for some reason you haven't listened to Kiss, I recommend that you do. Their first couple of albums in the 70s were definitely the best one. But before I wrap up this episode, I wanted to leave off this with a quote from Gene. Let's prove something to the fans, Paul said. Let's go and be a real band without makeup. I reluctantly agreed. I didn't know if it was going to work, but I heard what Paul was saying. There was nowhere else for us to go. We did a photo session just to see what it would look like. We looked straight into the camera lens. We were defiant. I made one small concession to the fans. I stick my tongue out to try to keep something that connected us with the past. And see, I think that's a really amazing viewpoint that Gene was taking on because he didn't want to forget their past. And I think it's hard for them to forget their past how they were in their past is literally what they're known for. So even though they had this change and there was reluctance from Jean's part to move forward with revealing their faces and having this new adopted look, I think Jean really wanted to make sure that he knew that the fans could be comfortable in this change. Change is hard for people, you know, so it wasn't really a surprise that the fans kind of had a lot of backlash when this came out, you know, when they saw the look it up video and they saw who kiss was for the first time you know what i mean some people could have seen this as selling out which a lot of people did also say that it was selling out but they just wanted something different they wanted to change they didn't want to have to keep adhering to the personas that they felt like they were almost restricted upon and hindering them they just wanted to be free gene continuing to stick his tongue out and photos to the fans to keep something that connected the band with the past I think is a really kind of cool thing that he did because, yeah, you can move on from your past, forget that you ever did the makeup stuff and just try to do something else. But they really kept in solidarity with their fans that were with them since the beginning and their younger selves that thought that this was such a cool thing to do, do the makeup and the costumes. I really do commend Kiss for being such an influential band on so many levels, but not only is their music really good, but they are so famous with their makeup and their costumes, and they really were so ahead of their time with the entire way that they entertained an audience. I have to give it up to them. Uh, So that, in a nutshell, is the story of how Kiss revealed their makeupless faces to the entire world in 1983 and how they created the famous looks in the first place. Thank you guys very much for listening. I hope that you guys enjoyed and that you learned something today that you hadn't known about before. I will see you guys next time on another episode of On The Mix. Talk to you guys later. Bye guys.